All right, so I'm going to ask uh, if we can put up 1 Peter 1. I'm going to go from verses 1 to 12. So, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect strangers in the world, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by His blood, Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish. Say never perish. Spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you. Who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have, not, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, we had gold being spoken about just now, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Say inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning the salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you. When they spoke of the things that have now been told to you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, even angels long to look into these things. And so this morning, as I share, you might have realized that I touched last week on the same scripture, but only on verses 8 and 9, which is where I feel I want to come back to. So I'm not going to go line for line through this. However, there are a few things that I do think we need to understand. And Simon Peter was the guy who actually um, disowned Jesus three times, if you recall. And so here's a guy who has a book that has been written, and uh, he's now busy inspiring and encouraging Christians um, at this given time. And as I was just looking into it, I thought I want to bring the whole context of this, and I want you to go back and read it. But what was actually quite interesting is that Simon Peter was writing to a group of Christians who had come out of the Jewish faith and that, and what he did say to them was, hey guys, you're going to face hardships. He says, there's going to come a time. If you're not facing it at the moment, there will come a time when it will happen. And I think one of the things that I've appreciated about Andrew Selly and the way that he's preached over the years is that we've not uh, promised you a, 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 a rose of, what, what's that song? I beg your pardon, I've never promised you a rose garden, yeah? It's, it's, this, this Christian faith is not easy. It's, it's amazing, but it's not easy. 
And, and I think often there are folk who have distorted the gospel over the years where it's almost like come to Jesus and all will be okay. All right? And, and I'm going to say to you that I think there's a season and a time where things will be fine. But then I think there's a time and a season that God is going to go in and he's going to do a deeper work. And God's confirmed the message this morning because if you look at it, there's going to be a stripping of the saints. You, you need to know if you're not facing hardships, at some point it will come. And, and, and I'm going to also say to you, if you've avoided the hardships for a long time and you're trying to live a life of comfort, let me say to you, you're not in deep enough. The thing is, God doesn't leave you and I the same. He wants us to change. And so um, what Simon Peter is doing here is he's saying, hey, there's going to come a time where there will be some difficulties. And um, some of those difficulties will happen in various forms. And so maybe for some of us, we'll be able to relate to this. But some of the things that we will face in those days, if you preached anything against the Roman government and what they actually stood for, you would get into serious trouble. All right? Um, they allowed the Jewish church, which was a legal entity, to operate. But this new Christian group that had suddenly come into being was suddenly going very opposite to what, what the Jewish faith was believing. So they weren't a legalized setup. And so whatever they were teaching that there's, there's only one king and his name is Jesus was going against very much what, what was happening in their times. So they were opening themselves up to persecution. So what does that mean for you and I? Good question, Dimville Central. I love it. You guys are already on fire in 2024. So part of our potential challenges is that we might face struggles that will come from government. And it will come in various forms. It could come through taxes. It could come through some of the various things that we're facing today. We don't know uh, exactly what that picture looks like. But I would say currently under the, the cloud that we have, we have some serious challenges in our country. But what does that mean for you and I? Again, good question. It means that you and I need to look at this and we've got to ask ourselves this question. Do we really believe with conviction that Jesus is who he says he is and that he's with us every day? We will face challenges from government. We will face challenges from opposing belief groups. You will face challenges even from family. The Bible, Jesus even predicted it. He said mothers and fathers will turn against their children. Children will turn against their parents. And some of them will even have you put in jail. The reality is, at some point, this will happen to us. The other area that you might find is, is that there could be sickness. There could be disease. There could be the loss of a loved one. There could be a business that has collapsed. There could be loss of finances. But the most important thing that Simon Peter is writing here, he's saying, but whatever you do, do not give up. Keep going. Why is he doing that? Because our year and now is temporary. We've got to realize that God has given us a hope and a future. And that hope and future is something that cannot be tarnished or, or, or destroyed. It's actually, it's actually kept pure for us. And with God's help, if we look to Jesus, we will be able to endure and get through and be with him one day. And so, with this, it becomes very important for us to see the heart of Simon Peter. And Simon Peter, yeah, is an encourager. He's an encourager to the Christian church. I want to say to us as gospel followers, 
those that love Jesus, our role in today's day and age is to be an encourager amidst the challenges that we are facing in this country and let alone around what's happening in the world. And it's, and it's important for us, firstly, to be encouraged to stay the course, but secondly, to be encouragers of others to say to them, you need to stay the course. And, uh, you know, part of, in, part of our discipling people is helping them to keep up the good fight. You know, the, the big challenge that we face today, the minute we face difficulties, what happens is, oh, this Jesus thing isn't working. I don't know if Jesus is real. I don't know if he says he is who he is. And you know, every situation that you have here, each one of us has a unique story. But the thing is, our convictions of who Jesus is becomes vital for us in our walk. Because ultimately, if we are not convicted that Jesus is who he says he is and, he, and that this journey is worth walking out, how would we be able to convince others that he is who he says he is? And so as disciples of Christ, that's the space that we need to live and, and give ourselves to flat out every day. And again, we will face trials. It is part of the journey. But I want to also say to you, as much as it's part of the journey, and as that word was brought about scraping down paint, I don't know how many of you have fixed shelves or cupboards and you've had to scrape down paint. Sometimes there's been years and years of stuff where it's just been laid and it's by a hard back. It's hard work to clean that thing out. And you spend hours and, and it takes time to, 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 to graft and to scrape away. Now, in our own lives, it's taking a lifetime for God to graft and to scrape away the things that we're facing. And it comes in various forms. This morning I prayed, Lord, would you move over us, wash over us, would you breathe over us? Right now as we are sitting here, God is at work. And we've had many words that came through this morning that God is at work. He's making a way. You trust him with your life's journey because each one of us has a unique story. So we need to remind and encourage people that despite what they are facing, this is temporary. We have a hope and a future. We've got to trust God with that. So a great place to start is looking at your own life right now. I'm going to share just very briefly on my own life. You know, I come out of an environment where my mom and dad got divorced when I was around about five, six years old. It wasn't a very, uh, I want to say it wasn't a very good experience because it was quite a messy divorce. I, I remember a lot of fighting and infighting and, and, and it was difficult. My dad eventually had to move away from, from Cape Town. He moved to Beaufort West and then ended up in Johannesburg. So I never really got to spend much time with my dad. I grew up with my stepdad and my mom here. And, uh, and that was my journey. My matric year, I left home. And I ended up living with my dad and finished my matric year there. And the most amazing thing was, in my matric year, what happened was, in the first term, the headmaster came to see my dad. And what he said to my dad was, he said, I want to prepare you that your son is not going to pass matric. So needless to say, my dad was a staunch Afrikaans boer. My mom was English. All right. And my dad had big hands. Okay. I just want to put that out there. I'll explain now. And I remember coming home from school one day and my dad was waiting for me. And he said to me, son, the headmaster's been here. 
your school results for the first term up in Gauteng hasn't been great. He says, you're not going to pass. Now, being a SOTI, you know what happens is we're very diff different to the Afrikaans children because Afrikaans children are very respectful of their parents. So I tuned him. All right? And, and, and the next thing, I was picking myself up off the floor. In those days, one club settled everything. And all I remember was my dad saying to me, this is my home, these are my rules, this is what's going to happen, and you will not fail your year, you're going to pass your year. And then my dad put things in place that by the end of the year, where I was failing on my ear, I had the best school year of my life. All right? And when I look back on my life, I see God's hand in that moment, the kindness of God. Then I moved on, I did national service. I met Lee in that time. She was 15 years old. She's really done well over the years. How am I doing with my points now, babes? <laughs> so I've known Lee for 35 years. We've been married 30, known her for 35. And, um, you know, God has been really, really kind to us. But, you know, in that 35 or 30 years of marriage, we nearly got divorced in year six. And because I didn't know, other than what I'd seen being passed on in my journey, I didn't know any better. So I took what I saw from my parents in both of their scenarios, because they both got remarried, and I carried it out here. And it nearly cost me my marriage. The other thing that was really unhelpful is I battled terribly with anger. And, and I got in, because you, you see, when you come out of a dysfunctional family, you spend your time trying to prove yourself. You spend your time trying to defend yourself. And you've got to make things happen. By the time I got to the age of 30, I was so tired of living like this. And, and God broke in. And God actually started to scrape away and undo so much in my life. And, and then started to put the pieces back together. And honestly, if I say to you that it's a miracle that we are where we are today, it literally is. I mean, it was like touch and go, us even making it. But I know that God intervened in my life, and I can see his handiwork there. And so I, I got involved in sport, and I got involved with coaching. And eventually what happened was, without me realizing it, God was actually busy preparing me for the ministry. You see, I was involved in sport and business, and I was excelling, and I was going flat box in everything. It was incredible what was going on. But then God started to do the deeper work. And then the interesting part was, everything that I was putting my hand to at one point was turning to gold. And the next thing, it felt like it was turning to sawdust. It just went wrong. And then God just started to work in my heart. And let me tell you, we then got a conviction at some point where somebody spoke into our lives and, and started to help us and started to deal with the issues in our lives. And then God started to deal with my anger issues. God started to deal with areas of my life where I realized, for example, I didn't get water baptized. I needed to be water baptized because that was missing. And then I was prayed for the infilling of the Holy Spirit, eventually to speak in tongues. And it took time. These things took time. And then eventually a lady says, and God has called you. And I'm like, no, he hasn't. And then she said, and he's taken you from the back of the queue. You've come kicking and screaming. And she says, and God says, I'll have no more of this. And I want to tell you, not being exposed to the prophetic and having something like that said to you, I knew God was in this thing. And it's almost like I want to say the fear of God came over me. And then God started to move powerfully. 
I didn't ever anticipate being involved in ministry like this. But he moved me into that direction. He started healing our marriage. He started healing my relationship with my kids, as young as what they were. And God started to put the pieces back together. And then what happened was my attention, rather than being driven on business and making millions, became a thing of, I want to live for Jesus. And so with that, I want to ask you to consider your own life. What is your story? What have you been through? When I look at what God has done in my life, I look back today, I realize how many times I potentially should have been dead. How many times I was rescued in situations where there was potential accident opportunities, and I got through that. And then I look at how God has wonderfully and miraculously turned my life around. It's left me in a space where when we look at the words here and it says we talk about inexpressible and glorious joy, it leaves me overwhelmed to the nth degree to think that, God, you would love me. You would die for me. When I look at my life and what you have done for me has left me in awe and in wonder. And I want you to look at your lives. You know, for many of us, we've got hectic stories but despite the hectic story that you've got, have you seen the goodness and the kindness of God on your life? This is what Simon Peter is saying to the church. You're going to face these moments. If you're going through the moments and you've been through some of these moments, praise God for that. Because he says we need to count these trials a pure joy. And it's in these moments that we hold on to and we say, Lord, I thank you for these things. I thank you because you don't leave me alone. You're with me and you're making a way. So with that, it's important that we need to exercise faith. That means that we've got to trust God. We've got to live by faith, believing that the one who was sent to save us from our sin and make us right with God through faith in Jesus is with us and walking this journey with us. So what does it mean to believe? And it's a good question for you guys as you, as you ask that. What does it mean for us to believe? It's interesting that the New Testament Greek word pistio, believe, means to be convinced of something, to place confidence in, or to entrust especially one's spiritual well-being to Christ. The word believe, the key concept throughout the New Testament appears nearly 250 times. It means for us to trust God. Do we really believe that? We sang about it. We sang about him being a way maker, miracle maker. When you look at your life, just the mere fact that you're sitting here today, God has been with you. Despite the trials and the challenges and the path that you've taken, God has been kind. He's been with us. It's interesting that when we look at believing, it comes through the work of the Holy Spirit. It's only the Holy Spirit. You can't sit here and say, I believe. It's the work of the Holy Spirit to believe that God is who He says He is and that He will be with you wherever, wherever you go. And I love it. In John 14, verse 11, it says, Jesus speaks at least, believe based on the evidence of what you see Jesus doing in the lives of the people around you. And this is for those of us here this morning who struggle to believe. I battled with belief in the things of God. But, you know, all you've got to do is look at what God has done in the hearts and lives of men and women around you. 
That should be evidence enough that God is alive and is real. We heard testimonies here, unsolicited this morning. Last week we had testimonies of people. All you've got to do is look at what God is doing around you. But most importantly, look at what God is doing in your own life. Do you believe? Do you trust Him? I want to ask you a question. Do you remember the day when you made a commitment to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Do you remember how you felt that day? How many of us here can say that we were weeping, we were emotional, we were excited, and some of us were surfing in parts of the planet that they didn't know even existed, some for days, some for weeks, some for months, and you were on this spiritual high. Do you, any of you remember those days? That inexpressible and glorious joy because Jesus had come into your life. And he saved you. It's interesting. When I looked at the word, what does the word inexpressible mean? It actually explains the following. It says it's indescribable, unutterable, unspeakable, incommunicable. When last have you actually sat down and thought, wow, look at what God has done for me. The fact is that he even saved me and what he's taken me through. The fact is that I'm even here today is absolutely mind-blowing. It leaves me gobsmacked. When last were we in that space? That is the heart of God for you and I. So, I want to start landing this thing. And the idea this morning is for us to recapture what it means to be in a relationship with Jesus and have that inexpressible and glorious joy that Jesus handpicked you and I for his purposes today and that he is at work in our lives and he will continue to work in our lives. For those of us this morning who have been saved, you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The Bible tells us that we are still being saved, meaning we're being sanctified, we're being set apart, and the Holy Spirit is constantly at work in us. Us. And we will have the challenges, but God is with us. And then we will be fully saved when Christ returns or we are with him. That is exciting because he gives us a hope and a future. We're not living for today. We're not living for the things of today. We're living for our future, which cannot be spoiled. The salvation of our souls, which will be with him for eternity. So with that, I'm going to go. To Ezekiel 18, please. I want to show you the heart of God this morning. It says, Therefore, O house of Israel, I will judge you. Each one according to his ways, declares the sovereign Lord. Repent. Turn away from all your fences. Then sin will not be your downfall. Rid yourselves of all the offenses you have committed and get a new heart and a new spirit, why will you die, O house of Israel? For I take no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the sovereign Lord. Repent and live. This is powerful that we see this in the Old Testament. God encouraging us this morning. And he's reaching out to us. And for many of us who have given our lives to Jesus, this was the heart of God that you and I, with our messed up backgrounds and our messed up stories, God would at some point allow the gospel to be preached to us that we could respond and receive him. 
This should leave us in awe and wonder. And then we're going to go to the next scripture, and we're going to go back there from last week, and that is John 3, verses 16 to 18, and it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him, remember, believes in Him is that we are totally convinced that Jesus is who He says He is, shall not perish, but have eternal life. That is the heart of God. That is the hope that you and I have. And that's the hope that we are to give other people. That God has a plan and a purpose and a future for each one of us. Not to harm us. Not to prosper us. But to give us a future and a hope. That's the heart of God. And he goes on and says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. And so this morning, the heart is very simply that as Christ followers, we need to firstly come with hearts filled with gratitude because of what God has done for us. We need to recapture that inexpressible and glorious joy because of God's kindness and goodness to us. And I'm going to give us a moment to respond this morning between yourselves and the Lord to say, Lord, when I look at my life and where I see where I'm at at the moment and what you have done, what you have taken me through and where you have provided rivers in dry wastelands, I want to honor you this morning. That's what we do. We need to respond and regularly we need to be reminded of coming before the Lord and just responding and yielding to him. Because of what he's done. It should leave us constantly in awe. And then what about this morning? For those that are visiting. That perhaps you have heard about Jesus. And, and I want to say to you. Coming to church doesn't make you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is recognizing. That you are broken. You messed up. And there's only one who can fix you. And there's only one who can save you. And there's only one who can make you right with God the Father. And that is Jesus. The Bible says that you need to believe him. You need to trust him. You need to surrender to him. And the most incredible thing is when you do that, God takes you and he puts you into a family. That's what many people are experiencing when they walk through our doors. They'll often leave us and say, it felt like we were part of a family. God takes you in your brokenness and he puts you into a family. And together we walk this journey out. Let me say to you, you can't walk this thing on your own. You need to be part of a local church. You need to be rooted in and you need to let your life count there and let God work in you and through you. So with that, I want to give you an opportunity this morning to respond. I'm landing. I've got quite a bit that I would have loved to have touched on this morning, but I'm trying to condense where I think the Lord is wanting to do. But I think for many of us this, this morning, as we go into 2024, I think it's a good moment for us just to take stock and just to say, okay, Lord, I've heard this message. You've spoken this morning. And this morning, I want to yield myself to you. And I want to start out by firstly saying, Lord, thank you. So I'm going to ask you just to bow your heads. This is going to be between you and the Lord. For you to just where you are, if you are a Christ follower, just to acknowledge 
what God has done for you. That he would handpick you out of all of creation to hear the gospel, that you would respond and say, yes, Lord, that is me. I need to be saved. And because you responded to Jesus, he has not left you as you are. And when you look back over your life, some of you have had a short journey. Some have had a long journey with Jesus. But if you just take a moment to look back over your life, does it leave you in that space of inexpressible and glorious joy? Just start to praise him. Just start to worship him. Acknowledge what he's done. This morning, as, you, as you've done that, will you also commit this morning to say, Lord, I choose to be like Simon Peter, one that will administer the gospel well to others. That this year will be a year that I will share the gospel with others. I will tell my story of what you've done in my life. How you rescued me. How you've changed me. And some of the signs and wonders and miracles that you've done in my life. Would you right now where you are just say, Lord, I commit myself to you. It's a choice. We are ambassadors for Christ. We are living billboards for Jesus. And if we understand what God has done for us, then our hearts would be, Lord, we want others to see and experience the same. And I thank you for that, Lord.